0: All right. Good morning, Three Circle. Great to be with you guys today. All of our campuses that are joining us right now for our time in the Word of God. We're going to continue our uh, kudzu series today, and you may wonder why are we talking about a weed? That's what the agricultural department calls kudzu now in America, at least, an invasive weed. Why would we talk about that? Well, we we see a great parallel between kudzu and the way it works, especially here in the South, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere, it's in ditches, it's covering barns and houses. And if you don't get on top of it, it'll get on top of you. And we see a great parallel between that and certain issues the Bible warns us about in our own lives, that if you don't get on top of these things, they will grow, they will get on top of you. And so we began by looking at the idea of insecurity. We looked last week at the kudzu vine of unforgiveness, which will tear you apart if you let it. And today we're going to look at another one of those. Today we're going to look at the issue of anger. Anger. And before we do, let me tell you, there's a great book. If you want to read it, we, we always love to like give you resources. And a great book we recommend is Good and Angry. It's this book. You might want to take a picture of that with your iPhone. If you want to look more uh, at that, you might want to order that book. And this author, David Pallison, he says this in his book. He says, anger is hard to do right anger is hard to do right that is so true isn't it it's so true we all deal with anger it's a universal human condition it's a universal human emotion we all get angry if you're sitting there going oh this one isn't for me today yes it is and that's probably why it's for you because you won't even admit it you know what I mean uh we all and I just made you angry by saying that so you know we all deal with anger all right And so you might want to write it down. Anger is a spiritual kudzu vine that has the potential to destroy you and those around you. So if you don't get in control of your anger, it can destroy everything around you. It can affect your family. It can affect your relationship with your kids. It can affect your work relationships. Anger is a big deal. So we're going to dive into it today and see exactly what the Bible is saying. The first thing I want to do is I want to make a case for you first. This is an interesting one because... Insecurity is always a bad thing, okay? Unforgiveness is always a bad thing, but this is interesting. Anger is not always a bad thing. Let's go to one of the quintessential verses in the Bible about anger. Ephesians four twenty-six says this. Be angry. How about that? Right out of the gate, the Bible tells you be angry. Be angry, but here's the harder part. Do not sin. And here is a time element connected to it. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, let's talk about this for a second. First of all, you need to understand, anger is not always sinful. Anger is not always sinful, but it can always become sinful. All anger can, just like that, become sinful. Kudzu was not actually meant to be a problem. It was brought here to fix problems. We had erosion issues in the South. Our friends in Japan said, we got a cure for you. We got this thing called kudzu. Just plant it. It'll be awesome. We did plan it, but they also said you got to stay on top of it. If you control it and manage it, it will be great. If you focus the kudzu, it'll do what it's supposed to do. If you don't stay on top of it, though, it will take over. And it did. The entire South turned green over about 30, 40 years. It went everywhere. Okay, you can find people up under kudzu in places. You know, if you just go look, there they are, it got them. This stuff is for real, and that's, what, that's how anger works, but it does not have to be that way. Notice the Bible also says here, be angry, because we're all going to get angry, but do not allow it to cause you to sin. That's the hard part. It's the part that only Jesus got right, by the way. Jesus is the only one who could get angry and not sin, uh, always. He always got it right, but that is the direction we're moving in. We wanna be more like Christ as Christians. And so he is our model when it comes to this. It also says here, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's another piece that you're gonna see fleshed out all through what the Bible always works together. Okay, it always interlocks. So you're gonna see that principle everywhere. You can be angry, but you must not sin, and there's a time element on it. In other words, you can't let anger just sit. You have to manage anger or it will grow. And the Bible says don't let the sun go down. Now, some of you have taken that literally, and you're missing the whole spirit of the verse. So some of you will get mad and stay mad all day long. And right before sunset, you'll walk into your spouse and go, okay, I forgive you now. And you don't even mean it, okay? So don't don't play that game. No, the spirit of the verse is that we do something with our anger. It can't just sit there. you got to do something with it, and we're going to see how to do that today. So what about God? Our living triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, does God, since Ephesians tells us anger doesn't necessarily have to be a sin, does God get angry? And the answer is yes. Yes, God does become angry, okay? He does have that emotion. We're made in his image in that regards. Anger does not necessarily have to be sin. And look what the Bible says about God's anger. Psalm 145 and 8 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Now that answers the question, he does get angry. But it also tells you a lot about his anger. It's kind of like a sandwich. The first piece of bread is his grace and mercy. And the last piece of bread is his steadfast love. And in the middle is his slow anger. Okay, You better be thankful that God is slow to his anger. Aren't we thankful? Aren't you thankful? Watch this. Notice the words. God, unlike us, God never loses control in his anger. He is steadfast. See, too many of us become unstable in our anger. When we get angry, we say stuff we don't mean. We do things we wish we could take back. God never has ever wanted to take it back because he's never made that mistake because he does not sin. Incapable of it. God does not sin in his anger. So the Bible says when he's angry, he's still steadfast in his love. Watch this. God's anger does not change who he is. And too often, we allow our anger to change us. It makes us become someone, sound like someone, and act like someone that we're not. And that is a great indicator of sinful anger. The Bible says here that he's slow to anger. Now, as we look at these things, ask yourself, are you slow to anger? I'm gonna be honest with you. If God is a crock pot with his anger, I too often, I'm like an air fryer. I get there way too fast. Don't leave me hanging up here with those judgmental <laughs> nods. I can feel our campuses through the screen trying to act like they don't get angry too fast too. You know what I mean? God is slow in his anger, and and here's the deal. So why would we need to know how God is with his anger? Here's why. Because we must reflect God even in our anger. We are to reflect God in every area of our life, which means our anger, which we all have and we all deal with, must begin to look like him. Our anger should look like God's more and more and more as we walk with Jesus, as he changes us, as he transforms us. The gospel should also be transforming how we deal with anger. But listen, too many of us, we're just blending in with the culture. We live in an angry culture right now. We are angry. We don't want to talk to each other anymore. If you make me angry, I just cancel you. We cancel entire groups of people. We cancel people uh, that we don't agree with politically or we don't agree with culturally. We just cancel people. I am so thankful God did not cancel me. I am so thankful that he didn't do that. And so we as Christians can't buy into the way our culture deals with it. Everyone's angry about everything now. We can't discuss anything without being angry. But the Bible tells us there is a different way that we can have those emotions but not allow it to lead us to division and to sin. We need to reflect God even in our anger. So as we walk through this today, be introspective. Ask yourself right now, huh? does my anger and the way I deal with anger, do I reflect God? Does it look like God? And one of the first things is, is your anger always encased in mercy and love? And are you steadfast? In other words, does your anger begin to change who you are? Or are you still you in control? Are you still honoring God even when you're angry? That is a huge question. And are you slow to anger? In other words, does it take a lot to get you there? Because it should. It should if you're going to walk with God. Boy, this is going to be an easy one today, isn't it? Just no problem. just going to cruise right through it. So when it comes to God, if he does get angry, what does he get angry about? Does he get angry when the football team doesn't do as well as they should? No, there's a list. The Bible gives you a pretty good list. What does God get angry about? You go to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Number one, cats. No, I'm just kidding. That's not even in there. Look, I want to tell, listen, I get a lot of emails from cat people, and and y'all need to know this. And I feel like this, I need to have an honest moment. So my neighbor, who's awesome, they got this new little cat. And the cat is kind of like, he's decided that the entire block belongs to him. And so I'll go to get in my Jeep, and this thing will attack my leg, okay? And he's the most beautiful cat. And then all of a sudden I start realizing this cat is hunting down all the critters that need to be hunted down in the neighborhood, and he'll just walk with like he just walks around with them like he's a lion, like a little miniature lion, and he's awesome. And he'll come just talk to me every. And I got I got to admit this: I think I'm becoming a cat guy. I think I'm becoming a cat guy. This guy has won me over. I'm like, man. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> Proverbs six sixteen. There are sixteen the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Here we go. Here's his anger list: haughty eyes. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Now, that, that is God's anger list. Now, watch why that's important. Because if I'm going to reflect God and be like God, and if you and I want to take steps in the direction of Jesus today when it comes to our anger, watch this then our anger list should align with his. That's a good start. In other words, watch this. I think maybe, at least in my own life, maybe it's true for you, I think often we get angry about things we shouldn't get angry about and we don't get angry about the things we should be getting angry about. We get real upset about stuff that you go, why? Why does that make you that angry? But these things that God cares deeply about, we just kind of go, eh, no big deal. That's a problem. If my anger list, and we all have an anger list, y'all have it, y'all got your pet peeves. If your anger list is over here and God's anger list is over there, that is a good place to start to go. Now, why do the things that bother God deeply not bother me so much? And why do things that don't make it on God's list, why are those such big deals to me? Injustice is a big deal to God. It should be to people who follow him. Uh, Slander and ripping people apart verbally and online. Those things are a big deal to God. They should be to us. Our anger list should align with God's anger list. Now, you know how we say here at Three Circle, it all comes down to Jesus, and it does, because Jesus is the pinnacle of God telling us who he is. God said, I'm going to show you who I am. Jesus comes, God in the flesh. So we get to see anger, not just hear about God's anger, we've got to see it several times. And here's one, let me give you the background. So Jesus, on the Sabbath, is teaching, and he's having a showdown, as he often did with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And so Jesus is about to get angry with them. He is. And of course, Jesus doesn't sin. So his anger is going to be absolutely justified and perfect. And he's going to handle it perfectly. And we get to see it to go, oh, that's how it's done. That's how you do it. Okay, Albert Pujols the other night hits number 700. You watch him swing the bat. you're like, now that's how you do it right there, okay? So we're gonna see how to do anger correctly. Jesus is going to show us. Now, why is he angry with the Pharisees? Because there's a man on the Sabbath, you understand, the Pharisees cared more about rules than they did people. Jesus had tried to tell them, to correct them. He said, folks, look, you're making too big of a deal with the Sabbath thing. Watch this, Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. But the Pharisees had flipped that thing. And they had rules, and they cared more about the rules than they did about people. And on this day, a man showed up with a withered hand. This could have been an arthritic condition that had uh, withered his hand. He could have been born with a deformity, or it could have been an accident. But in Jesus' day, to have a deformed hand was a big deal because it meant that you might become impoverished because you needed to work. You had to do labor to be able to make a living in Jesus' day. Everyone did, pretty much. And so this man, this had affected his whole life. And this man walks in, and and the Pharisees know, they know that Jesus heals people. That's been happening. So they're like preemptively striking here with a theological treatise on the Sabbath. And, and, And Jesus knows they care more about those rules than they do about this guy. This guy who's been hurting his whole life, this guy who's had to live with this his whole life, they don't care about him. They care about the rules. And the Bible says in Mark 3, 5, he looked around at them with, come on, church, anger. But look what it's immediately connected with. His anger is never by itself. It's connected with his grief. He is angry and he's grieved. Notice, his grief is not the man with the hurting hand. He's about to take care of that. He's grieved over the hardness of the hearts of the Pharisees. Now just pause for a second. Don't miss this because I think so many times we use the Pharisees like a punching bag. Don't miss. Jesus loved the Pharisees. He loved them. Jesus spent a whole night on a rooftop, standing on a roof of a house, trying to explain to the smartest of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, trying to help him understand what it meant to be born again. He loved the Pharisees. One of those men's going to give up his grave to let Jesus be buried. I mean, these Jesus loved the Pharisees, but he would be angry with them. But his anger is coupled with his love for them. His grief that they can't get it, that their hearts are so hard, and I'm going to be honest with you, too often my anger just sits there all by itself. It doesn't have mercy connected and grace connected. Think about right now the people, person, or group you're most angry with right now. Do you love them? Do you hurt for them? Do you care for them? I wish I could say to you, I do that all the time. But there's, I don't wear a halo. I'm just letting you know. I, there are times that my anger just stands on its own. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And I need to learn to be like Jesus And encase my anger with love and mercy and grief even for people. And then, of course, Jesus looks at the man and says, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. But don't miss that before he healed the man, he was angry with the situation. So we see, what does Jesus get angry about? Well, he he tends to get angry about people who are hurting and his people not caring about it. I love that years ago. Here's an example here at Three Circle. Years ago, a group of people said, We are angry. It bothers us that there are thousands of people in Baldwin County, supposed to be the best place in the world to live, and yet there's this poverty that's happening here that no one wants to talk about. And there's all these people that can't get health care. And, and and there are people who don't have health care and they don't have enough insurance or money, so they won't go get a checkup and they have cancer for years, don't even know it. And we don't think that's right. So we're gonna do something. And you know what? A group of people got angry, but then they did something. So Jesus was angry, and then he did something with his anger. He, Immediately channeled that energy towards this man and he did something about it. So this group of people at Three Circle got angry over that state of conditions in Baldwin County and they started the Hope Center. And today, the Hope Center, a million plus dollars last year prescription medicine came through the Hope Center and got into the hands of people that needed it. Why? Because a group of people said, I'm gonna do something about it. I'm not just gonna sit back, I'm not just gonna be angry. Jesus could have easily went, You people don't care about this guy at all. Let's go, let's get out of here, disciples. Instead, he goes, I am so angry, and I want you to get it. I want you guys to get it, but I'm angry, so new hand. New hand for you. Do something. I don't have the power to go. New hand for you. We don't have that apostolic power. I'm sorry. I don't. I wish I did. I'd clear out some hospitals fast, man. But you know what? We have been given things we can do. And I'm so glad that so many people at this church have decided, let's do it. Let's find good things and do them. Let's go to the hardest places around us and go find old churches and turn them into life giving churches and redo the gym. And yeah, I'm talking about Midtown Mobile and start after school programs and nonprofits so we can serve communities. Why? Because God has given us a passion and we're going to channel it. That's what, that's what we see here. So if, if anger doesn't always have to be bad, how do we know what it is? What is sinful anger? Let me give you a list. Three things, number one. Sinful anger is anger over things we shouldn't be angry over. Like there's just some things I get angry over that are ridiculous. And I need to be honest about that. Like I need to be honest with myself sometimes. And some of us need to today go, I need to change this. Number two, anger that leads to internal bitterness. In other words, anger that I don't do anything with, that I just let it sit and simmer. The Bible's saying, don't let the sun go down. You're going to have to deal with your anger. Be honest about it. That's sinful. And finally, anger that leads to external sinful action. If I act out in sin from my anger, well then, that is sinful anger. And i got to be honest about that. The Bible gives us several places where this happened, but one big one is in Genesis. You got Adam and Eve, first two humans. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. It's time to worship God with their offerings. They had been given instructions, but Abel does it right, and Cain doesn't. Cain brings a big basket of veggies, and that's not the way God wanted it done. He loves Cain, though. He just corrects him. But Cain is angry, and look at this conversation between the living God and Cain. It says in Genesis 4, but for Cain, his offering had no regard. God had no regard for his offering. So Cain was very what? Angry. And his face fell. Anger always affects us externally. The Lord, listen to how much God loved Cain. He says, why are you angry? And that's a question I think God would ask all of us today. Why are you so angry? What are you angry about? What gets you angry? Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? Watch this. If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, God says... It's okay that you're angry, Cain. Do something with it. Watch this. It's a principle. You see it all the way through the Bible. You see it build on itself. Listen to what he's saying. Do well. In other words, just change. Just do channel that anger. It's okay that you're angry, but don't you let it grow like kudzu. Do something with that anger, and it'll be fine. But if you do not do, in other words, you let that stuff keep growing. If you don't do well, watch this. Sin is crouching at the door. Listen to that language. Like a tiger, it is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. Here's how we all have to deal with anger you must rule over it. Listen to that language. God looks at Cain and all of us who deal with anger, and he says, If you don't get over it, it's going to get over you. What did Cain do? Killed his brother destroyed his life because he let the kudzu grow and he didn't do something with it. Now, this may be helpful for us to understand today. Don't miss this. Anger, sinful anger, is always a secondary emotion. Have you ever been leaving your house? I sure have done this many times. Maybe you can relate. You wait till the last minute to get on the road and you got to get somewhere on time. And, And literally you're cutting it so close that everything has to go right. So you get in your car, head down the road, and then one of your dear brothers or sisters in a Buick or an Oldsmobile typically pulls out in front of you. And let me tell you, I, lo- I love my more mature and advanced brothers and sisters. <laughs> Dearly. My granddad was my best buddy and my, my best man at my wedding. Some of my best friends in the world right now are, are more advanced and mature than I am in this world. And, uh, and, and, and they pull out in front of me sometimes when I need to get somewhere. And so, you know what, I, I, I've, I've gotten angry before. I don't know about you. And I get angry and I'm like, why did you have to pull out in front of me? And then I'll tell you, I got a lot of respect. One day I got behind a guy and I think it was a Buick and I got a little too close and I could see him looking at me in the rearview mirror. And he said, he just slowed that sucker on down a little more. He's like, as if to say, young man, I earned it. I've been around a long time, and this Buick can go slower than you can imagine. I can just crank it on down if you don't back off, right? And so, and I, listen, because my anger has nothing to do with him, it's not his fault. I'm the one that didn't leave on time. Notice it's a secondary emotion. There's a vine growing underneath the vine. And one of the best things we can do, church, is be honest and go, the reason I'm snapping at my family is because of this. The reason I've been harsh with you is really because of this thing that's happening. It's a secondary emotion. We gotta be honest about that. It'll help us get on top of it. And there are sources for this. I'll give you a little list. Unmet expectations tends to drive anger. It didn't go the way I thought it would. It didn't live up. I'm angry. Uh, insecurity, fear, and pride. These things will drive anger, and you will think that you've dealt with your anger because you dealt with the emotion when there's really a root underneath it that you've got to get to. It's like treating heart disease with Tylenol because you had a headache. And, And you're like, whoa, whoa, there's something else going on there, and that is how anger works. Anger is a symptom of a deeper root in your life. Now, we all deal with anger, and I want you to ask yourself which one of these best describes you. I'm just going to give you four different examples of some ways that we deal with anger, and I think that maybe we all fall into one of these categories generally, okay? I know we're complex creatures, but I think we come down to these. So we all deal with anger, and many of us deal with anger like this. This is the way you deal with anger. You're a volcano. You just build and build and build and build and build, and then the smoldering starts and people are like, huh, a little smoke coming out of there, and then suddenly, boom, boom. You explode. Uh, wildlife for 50 miles around you is incinerated immediately. Lava shoots in all directions. If you're near, you're going to catch it because the volcano is going and blowing. Some of you are like that. That is not good. Here's another way many of you deal with it you are the sweeper. You don't deal with anger outwardly. You just sweep it under the rug. You just always go, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Hey, are you upset? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. You just keep, and you got it under the rug, and under the rug is like, 40 years worth of nastiness. There's like a whole family of rats and roaches living under there. They got like an apartment complex under the rug and it's terrible. It's bitterness, it's toxic, and you just keep sweeping. That's not good for you and it's not good for anyone around you. I mean, everyone can see the junk under the rug, man. You gotta deal with it. And then some of us deal with it like this. You deal with anger like this. You are the trigger person. You're pretty good most of the time, but you got a few things in your life that if someone touches that button, pow, Watch out, it's deadly. Like don't talk, like you're the person that's like, hey, they're awesome, just don't bring this up. (laughs) Really? Trust me, be fine, right? Just don't go there, you're that person. That's not good either, it's not good, it's not healthy. And then some of you are this guy right here, you're this guy. (laughs) You know how this guy works? You can't see the damage just all day long. Hold on, let me, let me get it here so it's really annoying. Right here on my mic, all day. Some of you are angry all the time. And you never really talk about it. It's just passive aggressive, and it's all the time. And it's online, and it's every conversation. You're just mad and angry, and you're bitter, and you're edgy. But, but oh, oh, you don't have an anger problem. And, and, and you know what? Everyone around you is like, they're driving me crazy. Like, right now, I'm on your nerves hitting this thing. That's it. It's this slow, it's a, it's a death by a million cuts. And one day you realize the tree's got 40 million holes in it because you were just angry, a little bit angry all the time. Passive aggressive, never dealt with it. And I'm just telling you, all four, which one of those are you? Just be honest with it and write it down. Just write it down. If you're a woodpecker, put it on the paper, man. Just be honest. If you're a volcano, be honest about it. Admit it. Because everybody around you knows which one you are. That may be the better thing. Let the person that knows you best write this on your paper for you. Oh, yeah. How do I deal with anger? Now, let me show you a volcano in the Bible. I could have, if we had time, I'd show you each one. But one of the famous guys in the Bible was a classic volcano. His name was Moses. Moses had a temper that when it blew, you better run for your life. And one Egyptian didn't get away fast enough. When he was 40 years old, he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And he's like, you know what? And he snapped. And when he snapped, dead Egyptian. Moses was a bad dude. You don't realize it. He was a bad dude. So, to get him to deal with his temper, he had to go out for 40 years. He was 80 years old before he came back to Egypt. Y'all do know that, right? So, Moses had a bad temper. It never went away. Moses kept dealing with that temper. And he was a volcano. It'd build, build and build and build and build and build, and then boom, and when it blew, it was bad. And so after the Red Sea, they're out in the wilderness. One thing you deal with in wilderness is water issues. So they're out in the wilderness, and they keep running out of water. And on this day, Moses had had enough. You ever had that? A volcano? Watch out for volcano people, because when they've had enough, you better run. You better evacuate. <laughs> and so he had had enough. These people had maligned him and slandered him and talked about, well, he wasn't a good leader. And maybe we should have gone back to Egypt. And they ran out of water again. So the Lord said to Moses, Numbers, take the staff. I want you to listen to clear instructions. Take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell, listen to instructions, and you tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. That's what you're supposed to do, Moses. You're supposed to walk up to the rock and go, now give them water. And it's gonna happen. I'm gonna get all the glory. And you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. Notice God does not say... Get your anger out. Go ahead and get it out today. Let them have it. Give it to them. Well, both barrels, all that stuff. No, no, no. He said, you go to the rock. You tell the rock to give it water, and it will. Verse 10. Then Moses, who's as mad as a hornet. Oh, he's mad. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together. When he looked at these people who have been talking about him, trashing him, fussing all the time, he said to them, Hear now, you Rebels. Oh, we're off to a good start. The volcano is erupting. He gets himself going. He now has a gladiator moment. Remember in gladiator where the guy says, are you not entertained? He looks at the people and he says, shall we bring water out of the rock for you? That's not what God said for him to do. He's not bringing water out of the rock. God is. So then... He's like, I'm letting it rip now. And Moses lifted his hand with that staff in it and he strikes the rock with it twice. Can you imagine in front of the people? Whack, and then that felt good so he hit it again. Whack, and hits it again. he just got it all out. I gotta get it out. Always watch yourself when you're like, I gotta get this out. No, you don't. Not in that way. And so he did and the water came out and they drank and the cows drank and everybody's happy. But watch this, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people, you need to get your anger out. It was about you, Moses. You shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given them. You've been the leader up until this point, but my people can't keep following your leadership because you, after all these years, you won't get over your anger You keep letting your anger get over you. And now there's a limit. And now there's a cap on what I can use you to do. See, write it down. Sinful anger is a form of disobedience. And it can have severe consequences. And I promise you, if you're not dealing with anger in a godly way, it is affecting your life and you just don't see it. I know it does for me. So let's work together, church, today to, in the power of Jesus and the gospel, say, by your power, we want to be more like you, Jesus, with our anger. I don't want to be a volcano, a woodpecker, a trap, or whatever the other one I said was. None of those. No, I want to be like Jesus by his power. Proverbs warns us, if you're slow to anger, then you have good understanding. You get it. But he who's hasty, will you temper your exalting folly? My prayers today, by the power of Jesus and the gospel, will get over our anger before it gets over us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word today for us. May we live it now to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.